Hey. Hey. What brings you by? Uh, I don't know. You invited me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Alright. I think we should, uh... Toast. Yo, Zane, come on. You're, 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 I toast, I toast, Zane, I we have an ebb and a flow here. <laughs> and you're going against everything. Okay, okay. I'll toast. Yeah. Toast, guys. Cheers, cheers, cheers. has been promised to be on this episode, or, or rather just on this podcast yeah. for like <laughs> the last two months, so wow. before wow. we even decided to do this. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a great pleasure that I finally formally host you onto the show. Yeah. I got some wine, I got wine glasses. Like this wine. is the first, yo, I'm stepping it up, yo. Pizza. I'm only got all the stops here. Brand new wine glasses. Yeah. <laughs> you would never guess how much these cost either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it that way. But, uh, Zane, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man, Zane. That's kind of what we do. Introduce yourself, bro. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my name is Zane. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, uh, represent, yo. Brooklyn, East New York, specifically. Nice. Um, I identify as a trans male, and I am the founder of Trans Alike. Um, I started Trans Alike in 2015, and it is a online support and just a platform for me to be able to educate the masses on uh, trans awareness and spirituality within the LGBT community. Uh, so I'm here to tell you guys about that today. Awesome. So uh, trans alike is it specifically just a website, or is it like also like a, a movement? Like what? What is it exactly? Yeah, trans alike is it, it's mostly a website. I, ha- I have a website www.transalike.com, um, where I'm basically the bridge between trans youth and resources. So if they need a clinic, or if they need a doctor, or a referral, something I can try and find them that. Um, but Transalike is basically just my uh, way of reaching out to youth and just mm-hmm. so they feel like they feel comfortable with it. Um, they know that I'm serious about it. It's, it's my own business. It's a nonprofit organization. So um, I use Transalike to connect to other folks instead of me just coming to them like hey my name is zane and you know i look creepy like no i have to be like hey this is trans like i'm very serious about your safety i'm very serious about um how you feel as a trans individual and how can i support that that's pretty awesome because i feel like it's it's kind of giving people a platform to also feel comfortable and mm-hmm. kind of like come out and i guess transition i myself like i'm not too super familiar with you know the transgender community so and I know even more so, like, as a minority, like, what are some of the hurdles and obstacles that you faced? Like, I guess kind of like, would you say it's kind of like accepting the fact that you're transgendered or coming out or what would really be the, the right, I guess, phrasing of it? Well, yeah, coming. I mean, people say coming out mm-hmm. um, just for, you know, lack of understanding. But you, when you're trans, you essentially understand at some point that you... And this is just my experience. I'm talking about my experience yeah. and people that I've spoken to. You usually understand that you're different than how you physically look. Mm-hmm. At, sometimes at a young age. So most most of the time at a young age, you understand that. So it's more to terms of normalizing what it is to have gender dysphoria, which you know they constitute as a as a mental illness. And some people don't feel comfortable saying that. I feel comfortable saying mm-hmm. that. Um, because it requires medical attention and a lot of errors. So it, it's more to coming to terms with this is what you're going through, this mm-hmm. is how you're feeling, 
what are the next steps for that and it, it becomes hard when you have family involved and you have um, your spouse or you just have a job a workplace you know a lot of trans people don't have the rights to have employment in in the u.s That's so crazy you know so it's like people people can't really have lives you know like yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't there's a lot of health insurances that don't cover transitions um, so you have to come out of pocket for it. It's a very expensive decision. And so that's fucking crazy. Yeah. It almost sounds like you're being punished for yeah. trying to accept who you are. They say it's a mental illness, but then they don't want to cover it. So it's, you know, that's, that's that the complication sense. with it. Yeah. But it, it is, it is hard when you come out and cause all these things come into place. It's not like coming out as gay It's mm-hmm. coming out as something else. And, uh, cause the gay movement moves a lot, 10 steps further than the trans movement mm-hmm. We're always behind them. So it is a little difficult, but it depends on, you know, who you have around you and how willing you are to do that. And, um, just your sacrifice, your willingness to sacrifice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you stated before that your website is like a safe haven for the youth. What yeah. is, what are the things that they have to be safe from? Like what is, what are the potential harms out there? Uh, getting kicked out of their home, not having a job, not having medical attention, um, sexual assault, um, just not feeling safe mm-hmm. in an environment. When, when, when someone knows that you're trans, there's so many things that go in your head. Like if I go out to a club and I meet someone and I'm interested in them and then they find out I'm trans without me telling them or they can just tell... Um, depending on that person's reaction, I can mm-hmm. either be in a very violent situation or I can be in a safe situation. Or So you never know how someone's going to react to it. You just yeah. kind of hope for the best. Um, so people have to deal with a lot, not being accepted, isolation, rejection, uh, depression, because gender disorder causes depression. So um, it, it, there's so many things that mental, emotional, and physical, there's so many things that fall into those categories kind of plan, yeah. that it's it's really hard when you're trans because you're just thinking of all these things that people like you guys don't think about every day. Yeah, yeah, of course. You don't think about how many times someone calls you he all day. But I think about that. every. I hear every single person call me he every single second of the day. So when, you know, I just worry about things that, uh, like, like I said, like you guys don't have to worry about. Right, right. Because yeah, it's so kind of like innate and then natural mm-hmm. to us and stuff like that. So he is not correct like what is that no no he so he is my pronoun um but sometimes when people know that i'm trans when they know that i've transitioned from female to male Mm -hmm. they will it's a mental thing where they will immediately call me she even though they were not calling me she the whole time (laughs) because they now know that i'm trans their mind has changed you know and now they're referring to me and messing up and i hear that i hear when they're calling me she i hear when they say ma'am you say, got people say boss to only men. Like, what's up, boss? Thank you, boss. Or, <laughs> yeah. or they'd be like, what's up, man? What's up, bro? You know, like, you don't realize wow. the words that people use That's to true. certain people and mm-hmm. how it can come off as sexist or how it can come off as just inappropriate, you know? Of course. You you gender people without... And I do that, too. I look at... I met you for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I called you he. That I can ask you what your pronoun was. But, <laughs> so even trans people do yeah. You know, I can... I'm just assuming what your gender yeah. is, but... When you're trans, it matters to you. Yeah. That people assume what you I mean, Joel is kind of a toss up. <laughs> so. This guy. This guy. I mean, but, um, so I, I guess, like, just going off of your own personal experience, like, um, I'm pretty sure you've had moments where you've been kind of, like, in a dark place and you've kind of, mm-hmm. like, wondered, like, hey, am I going to come out of this okay? Like, what, what worked for you? Like, what helped you kind of get through those dark times and come out on the other side? 
Uh, I would definitely say it's my belief in God, my mm-hmm. my faith in Christ, and uh, I come from a really religious background. Like my whole family is full of pastors, and we own tons of churches, and they are very strong and influential in the uh, Latino Pentecostal community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I can say one thing I got out of that was that they taught me very much to stand firmly in my faith. And just mm. whatever I believed in, that was what I believed. And mm-hmm. whether what if I believed in something that they didn't believe in, I've just learned to be strong in that. And so I, I've i used God for everything. And that's why I focus trans alike on, I call it trans alike because I think that we all coexist. No matter mm-hmm. what our beliefs mm-hmm. are, we are alike. There, there are things about us that we have in common that we just don't know. And so um, I heavily focus on trans or LGBT youth that have been rejected or do not go to church anymore, whether it's Pentecostal or they're uh, Jewish or they're Hindi, whatever they are, Mm -hmm. um, I want to help them understand that whatever their deity is or whoever their God is, that God loves them no matter what. Because you're taught that God loves you no matter what. You are taught that God loves you unconditionally Mm -hmm. until they find something out about you that they don't like and then the love becomes conditional and that's not true. Isn't that, but, and, and for me, I mean, like, and me and Joel have kind of talked about it before, but like, I guess that's, that's where it becomes kind of like tricky when it comes to religion because it, it almost seems like it's applicable whenever you want to apply mm-hmm. in whatever kind of way you want to apply. Like, it almost becomes subjective when, yeah. when the premise of all religions for the most part is centered around love. Yeah, and it's just like it, and it's really interesting because you as a transgender male like the fact that your trans like organization is deeply rooted in spirituality and religion where it's just kind of like a lot of people who are like super religious they kind of like don't even try to accept that you know what I mean mm-hmm. which kind of creates like a weird kind of like toss up you know what I mean like yeah that, I mean that's them, that's not that's them not being educated because they're yeah. they're you know a lot of eunuchs with their we as trans people recognize them as eunuchs but there are a lot of people that a lot of trans people that existed in biblical times that mm-hmm. have affected Very biblical uh, stories like they there has been a eunuch that has impacted a story and if that eunuch was not there that story probably would have happened so you know whether they transitioned or did that surgery or whatever they did because they wanted to or they were forced to they were still eunuch and still they existed, still yeah. transitioned at some point and so yeah. You know, I'm the one to say like they actually wanted to do that, but I but I'm not gonna deny that maybe they did want to do that, mm-hmm. and maybe they took that position just to be like, oh, this is how I this is how I can do it. So so it is literally in the Bible. Oh yeah, they're called eunuchs. Yeah, they're referred to as eunuchs. That's they're so, not referred to as trans, but yeah, yeah. because they they were people like the king and the queen. Mm-hmm. They had different bathhouses, so they would have to castrate themselves, so they were allowed to go into the woman's bathroom wow. in order to help the queen. But my thing is, and and eunuchs usually serve God, you know, they say like, oh, like, I'm going to do this to serve God my entire life. But my thing is, what makes me think that that person actually didn't really want that? Mm -hmm. And they were Mm -hmm. like, you know what, I'm going to take this position and I'm going to do this because this is how I feel comfortable. And it could have been that, or they could have been forced to do it because they were a slave or something. But, you know, the fact that they existed is something that is real. And and it still needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, Yeah, it needs to be acknowledged. And and like I said, mental illness is real. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, gender dysphoria is real and so like it by the christian community it needs to be acknowledged just as autism would be or any other mental um illness you know yeah i mean and i think that's one of the things that i find most admirable especially about what it is that you're doing because you're kind of like blazing the trails you know what i mean like you're literally just kind of like 
making a path and making it okay and you're you're championing you know what mm-hmm. i mean and and i feel like especially as as a minority it is definitely one of those things where it's just it's it's almost seen as taboo but it really isn't you know what mm-hmm. i mean like i feel like people want to like make it something that it's not like Zane is arguably one of the coolest motherfuckers that I know. So like, and, and, I, and I genuinely just go to him just, just to consult, just so I'm like, life matters. And like, you know what I mean? I know that you're really about the mission and I know that you're about what you say. And so, hey, honestly, I wish you the best with friends. Like, honestly, and you have streaming consciousness support, you know? That's why we wanted to bring yeah. it to the platform. That way you can talk about it and people could be more informed about it as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, like you said, as a minority, it's hard. And it's only because we're afraid of talking about these topics. You know, mm-hmm. these these identities, whether you're attracted to just women or everyone or you identify something different, it's just normalizing that it's okay for us to be a marginalized group and mm-hmm. an oppressed group and to overcome other things that might not be seen as normal. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I need, I, I want to be the person that basically I needed when I was younger and I didn't have that person so I tell myself every day there's someone out there that is needs yeah needs that I yeah, feel absolutely so they need someone to talk about God and to talk about being trans at the same time you know because you can do those two things at the same time yeah so at this point you are a pastor right no so I'm not a pastor um I definitely uh had ministry and I and mm-hmm. I focused on when I was heavily into my church yeah. um, because I do believe that my spiritual gift is of speaking which mm-hmm. is of, you know just connecting with people and speaking the gospel um, and the, when you have a spiritual calling that's essentially either something that you figure out or someone says to you in confirmation and so if I cannot do that in a church um, which in my church I cannot do that at the moment uh, well, why, why exactly? Well, when, when you are part of, uh, whether it's Christian or Pentecost, specifically like Pentecost or mm-hmm. Baptist, um, and you identify as trans or identify as gay, if it's not a gay church, it is in their doctrine that being gay what? is a sin. Yeah. So, what? Which, which is like, you know, just like a pastor can't cheat on his wife mm-hmm. or a pastor can't be... Uh, they, they, and I'm, I'm just saying this is what it is. This is not yeah, my yeah, belief. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's just know, the rules that are in place, basically. Yeah, they, they, they compare it to, you know, being pedophile or killer what? or stuff like that. Or that like, is so far from, that's, that's and, ridiculous. And so, like, I, I understand to an extent, I do, I understand there is a doctrine. As a pastor, as a minister, you take, it's like a doc, like when you're a psychiatrist, you sign a contract like saying enough, yeah. that you are going to follow certain rules. And I, I understand that portion of it. Um, I just don't understand you know be not being able to you know in, even in the bible it says even a donkey will be able to spread the word of god if it's necessary <laughs> so i don't understand why stop that person but remember that's just that organization i one church doesn't stop one person from doing stuff you that's have true. to do it on your own so that's why i take it outside of the church mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. i don't believe that i don't believe that jesus talks to people that know him the only reason you need jesus is if you, the only reason jesus saves is if you need saving. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mm-hmm. need saving, if you're already good and you already know about the love of Christ, I don't need to talk to you. I don't need to be in a church for that. I need to talk to people that aren't in church, that yeah. don't understand God. I need to talk to people that are isolated, that are rejected, that are feeling a kind of way. Those are the people that need God, not the people that are in church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it it while that was complicated for me, um, it's kind of like it actually. Yeah it definitely helped my path and what I felt was necessary and mm-hmm. what I felt actually meant spreading 
the word of God, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. meant to spread it, not to keep it contained in one place. That's a really good mentality to have about it. Like, you saw that you weren't accepted here mm-hmm. to do your preaching, so I'm going to take it somewhere else. Yeah. And that's really good because if you think about it, a lot of people will get stopped somewhere mm-hmm. and they'll let that be the end of their journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They won't, like you said, you have a, you had a spiritual calling, which is to spread the, the word. And uh, you took it and you actually were like, all right, they won't accept me here. Let me go spread my word elsewhere. Let me try, let me start trying mm-hmm. to like, it's very like amicable. And like, I just want to know like a little more about like your personal like journey. Because mm-hmm. me personally, I know a lot of Pentecostal people and yeah. those are like the strictest yeah. parents in the world. <laughs> they are. And then you're also Latino, which yeah, are no, another yeah, strict parent. So like, how did that go like about like... Uh. It, it didn't go well at first. I, I've been coming out for... So I recognized I was trans when I was like about 17. And I didn't really know what the word was, but I definitely... I remember speaking to my mother saying, there, I feel like a boy and I just don't feel, I don't feel comfortable. There's something that I'm not feeling. And mm-hmm. I think what happens in, the, in, in marginalized communities is that we ignore mental health. And, and you know, we teach Absolutely. our kids, you know... Like especially boys walk are taught off. like you know walk it off mm-hmm. don't have emotion mm-hmm. um just keep going and and so that's essentially how my parents were my parents are very religious and um my dad's like my dad specifically like they they're very non they're just not emotional mm-hmm. in any sense of the word so when i came out i remember my mom kind of like confirming like okay like validating how i was feeling and saying like i understand how you're feeling I guess they knew something was up because mm-hmm. I was identifying as a lesbian, but I, I didn't feel like a lesbian. I just yeah, yeah, I just yeah. said it because it made sense, but I didn't yeah. feel like a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then they ignored it until I eventually, you know, sat my mom down first. I wouldn't talk to my dad. I just sat my mom down. I was like, look, I'm going to start taking medicine uh, that's going to make me look like my dad. So I need you to understand that this is very serious to me. And I tried to talk in their language. I tried mm-hmm. to say, I've, you know, they know how much I love God. Um, I know that my, my parents know that I love God more than anything. Yeah. And so I, you know, tried to explain to them, I've read this. I've read this. I've studied this. I've prayed. I've petitioned. I've fasted. I've had therapy. I've had a Christian counselor. I've had a secular counselor. I've had multiple opinions and my conclusion is that I did that I'm going to do this and it was hard for me too you know thinking Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I'm like God created me and I want to change myself it was almost like saying I hated myself but it wasn't saying that I was saying I love myself so much I want to take care of myself and my mental health is one of those things yeah so um it was very very difficult speaking to my parents about it um my mother is is a little coming around my father I haven't spoken to since I came out um but it but i'm working on normalizing that and a lot Mm -hmm, of people mm -hmm. don't like to talk about not having relationships with their families but it's normal that's something that happens happens. especially as latino or black like your your family was taught not to be gay they were taught not to do this not to do that and so when you come out and say that you're that especially when they're religious too you're like they're like freaking out you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah um but my my plan is to normalize it within my family and because i'm like the black sheep you know they're all straight and they're all very you know get married have kids they're religious and um i'm very very different than all of them but um i think just you know letting them know that i can be this and i still love god and i mm-hmm. still love my family and i still have goals and i still have ambition and i'm a different person than what people think 
trans people are, you know, they practically compare us to demons. So it's like, that's I'm not that. Crazy. You know? That's so like, crazy. Man. I'm very different than that. So it so it, it was pretty tough, and I'm still working through that. Um, yeah. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't change my journey for anything. Mm-hmm. It's taught me a lot. So you bring up a good point. Like in the minority communities, mm-hmm. like this has had like such a taboo stigma mm-hmm. over it. It makes you wonder, like, how many people have gone their whole lives feeling the same way yeah. and just weren't able to ever do it. Yeah, you know, there like, are a lot of trans people that start transitioning transitioning at, like, 50. Wow. You know, and that's, like, it's not because the resources weren't there. I mean, a lot of resources weren't there, but mm-hmm. they just could not do it. Yeah. And, and it's scary. You know, I, I've always been the type of person that if I feel something, I have to do something with it immediately. And my mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. knows that. And so I think that's what their conflict was with me was that like I'm so like if I need something I, I want it right away. Like, yeah, there's no change. Yeah, they're like literally like freaking <laughs> out and everything. But um, I definitely, I you know, I I want to show them the type of person I am that I am committed. And so that's just what it is. I you know I don't wake up saying oh I want to be the black sheep. You know like no, no, I wake up saying I just want to feel normal. And but feeling normal means going through all of these things and I just have to do it. So at a certain point, you, you recognize that there was a better version of you out there that you wanted to basically achieve. I recognize that God's will for me was very different. It was not meant to be like everyone else in my yeah. family. It was meant to... I was meant to connect with people that were unreachable. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that my identity just helped me with that. And so... And it sounds crazy. So many people are like, why... You know, how could God have told you this? And I, that's just my confirmation. That's mm-hmm. just what I felt. You know, just like God tells you any other thing, like if a woman is for you or your job is for you, it was just like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Zane, speaking, speaking of like your background, like where are you from? Because I'm pretty sure people are kind of like, yo, is this guy Brazilian? Like, no, what's, I, what's his deal? No, my last name is Brazilian, but um, my parents, so we did like this ancestry thing and my dad's family is Egyptian and my mom's family is Puerto Rican and um but but we definitely heavily uh identify with being Puerto Rican and um being Latino I I consider myself Latinx which is like you know, it's like Latino or Latina, but it's adding gender non-conforming people mm. because... I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Latin with X at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Spanish is such a gendered uh, uh, language. kind of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's either boy or girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, so Latinx is at, just adding, it's not taking away, it's just adding the extra option for people that are queer or trans. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely heavily identify with that. But I definitely identify as like black... Um, and Latinx just because Mm -hmm. the way I get treated because of my skin color I heavily identify with being black so Um, but I also heavily identify with being Puerto Rican yeah I can tell Puerto Rican over here I know I feel like you came through wearing wearing your shirt I know I know like like you're ready to teach a salsa class (laughs) (laughs) Puerto to the first I know Puerto Rico to the tumba one thing that you brought up that I think is really cool. You guys, I'm going to refill this. Definitely, I need to refill this. But, if you don't um, mind. Like, you started off with this mission, which was, like, to spread the word. Yeah. And to also help uh, people that uh, like, like like you who probably needed that help. 
at the same time that you needed it when you didn't have that, those resources. Mm-hmm. But like, it's cool because in a sense, I don't know if you see it this way, but you kind of have a second mission, which is to normalize it, even within your own family. Yeah. Or even within your own church. Within, like, that, that is, I, like, I don't know if you see it that way. It might, like right now, since you're not speak, on speaking terms with your father and things like that. Yeah. But maybe the end journey is that, to normalize it to the sense where it's like, this is me. Yeah, you should love me for who I am, just like the the word of God tells mm-hmm. us, you know. So like, it's it's cool, man. Like, I think you're you're really doing the Lord's work at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was fifteen, there was a I was at a youth convention, and there was a pastor. I went up for prayer, and I was praying so hard because I felt like my family was falling apart, and I knew that I identified as gay or something, and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna ruin my family. Like, I I never. I never imagined that I would transition, but mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to do something one day that was going to tear them apart in some sense. And I was just thinking about it heavily and I, and I was praying about it. And when I went to that convention, uh, this woman came up to me and she just looked at me and she was like, I know that you're praying because something about you is going to break your family apart. But I'm telling you that you are going to bring them back together. And it's not going to be now. It's going to be a long time from now. And you're not going to understand anything that you're going through. But you're going to be what brings your family together. And ever since I heard that, I just kind of realized, like, I I am kind of the middleman in my family. Like, if there's mm-hmm. disputes going, I'm the middleman and um, within my immediate family. And so yeah. I definitely recognize that, you know, like, this is a challenge for everybody. I, under, I understand my mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think that's hard to, I wish I could tell trans youth, like, understand your parents' journey. You know, they had you for nine months, they assumed your gender, yeah. they chose your name, my parents painted my room as my gender, you know, they they go through all of these things, buying clothes, having a baby shower, and then you come and you're a healthy baby and you're great, and then, and then you tell them that you're not what they expected. Mm-hmm. And and it's just trying to understand how everybody feels. It's not saying that they're right and how they're feeling, but just trying to understand that my parents kind of mourned, you know, like and, yeah, um, and just trying to understand like what that meant to them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and 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 seeing how they felt about it. And there was all girls. There was no boys in my family. So there, my my mom says that she had a sonogram and they thought I was a boy. So they're gonna name me Michael. Sure. And then when I came out, I was a girl. So that was already like a process of we thought you were gonna be a boy, you were a girl. And then I come out later and say, oh, no, actually, I am a boy. And then they're like, what the fuck? You know, like, yeah, they're yeah, literally yeah. like, I understand that confusion. Yeah, I yeah. get it. And so I try to be very empathetic. Um, but also understanding, you know, that, like, this is how I'm feeling. How I'm feeling is valid. Mental illness is real. And these are things that we, as a family, have to do together. We can't yeah. do them separate. You so, got to grow through it. Yeah, I just try yeah. to work on, like, what I... I try to work on what language can I use with my family, how are they feeling, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. forgetting how I'm feeling of course. at the same time, you know, of course. because you have to worry about yourself too. Yeah. So, and, and you mentioned something that was pretty uh, key, where you said that your parents kind of went through their mourning phase, yeah. and then, then if you don't mind me asking, like, did you yourself also go through some sort of mourning kind of phase as you were transitioning? Yeah, I think, I always say it, like, I think that a lot of... A lot of people always say like, oh, you're so brave and all this stuff. And, and you know, it, it's more of like a survival. I, I had to survive. What was mm-hmm. my what was my instinct? And my instinct was to go through a mourning process. And because remember, I was, you know, identifying as a phenom. I was very feminine, long hair, long curly hair, always dressed very feminine. 
up until I was like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had always identified with that. I was going to church every single day. I was, you know, going to be a woman uh, preacher. And, and I just had all these things going on. And then I realized that I just was extremely suicidal. And I, and uh, I you know, when you believe in Christ, um, that's a very weird thought. You know, yeah, you believe that someone died for you. Contradicts itself, yeah. You're here, you, you're saying you want to give the word of God, but then you're suicidal. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. no one addresses that mm-hmm. in the church place. No one talks about being suicidal. And there are a lot of characters in the Bible that were suicidal. David, Elijah, they were suicidal. Um, so I really had to focus on my mental health. And when I did that, I realized I wanted to transition. And, you know, I it was definitely a mourning process. Mm-hmm. Like... Not, you know, not using my birth name anymore, not being called she, um, talking to my sisters, my two sisters, who I'm very close with, we were a trio, and telling them that now I'm not one of the sisters, you know, that was really heartbreaking yeah, for me, yeah. and so it, it is hard, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, you go through a process where you are learning yourself again, and you're literally, like, going through puberty again, <laughs> so, like, it is definitely I would definitely compare it to a mourning process but then you realize so much about yourself after and you feel like you had a rebirth you know and you just start loving yourself so much that no one can take that away from you of course of course in a sense you are like teaching the people who preach unconditional love how to actually unconditionally love oh yeah they forget (laughs) they don't know how to do that that's what I always say I'm like is it unconditional I, it is unconditional. Like, you're just making it with dogma and everything, you're making it conditional. But mm-hmm. yeah. that's that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus specifically went to the people that nobody wanted to be around the sex workers, the, the homeless Poor people, people, the beggars, yeah. The, the, so you know, true. Jesus specifically went everything. to them. So mm-hmm. that's not. Uh, that's not, you know, me thinking that God, that I'm perfect. That's not what it is. It's cool because it's. it's and it's so funny because a lot of people will kind of like deem that what we're talking about is kind of flipping the notion on its head, but it's really just exposing what it really was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is actually the true meaning of what unconditional love is, is to love thy neighbor. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm far removed from like Catholicism, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I always remember is, is that like you treat others the way you want to be treated and you love thy neighbor the way you would love yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't know why it becomes conditional and why some people feel like they can apply it differently how they see fit like that that's always the weirdest thing to me especially when it comes to like people who really take the religion like super seriously where like they're almost the most unholiest people which is kind of a contradiction it almost doesn't really make sense you know what i mean like they're sometimes the most judgmental ones and and maybe it could be because like i was raised catholic so there's a lot of like weird things that go yeah there's a lot of weird things that happen a lot of people yeah like like you you leave like mass on sunday they'll be like oh my god did you see what so-and-so was wearing like like, yo did you not listen to like the word of god the whole hour you were there like come on that's an hour church (laughs) yeah no of course yeah um but no that's that's honestly zane man like i can't say i can't say it enough man like i think that what you're doing is very fucking important especially in today's day and age in the world that we're fucking living in yes. where it's just like but we don't even know what fucking world we're living in anymore you know, know what i mean like it's, you know i don't even want to like mention who the guy in office is but you know what i mean like we're living in a world where it's just like very divisive and very kind of like out of hatred out of hatred and like everything has like you know unfair labels when mm-hmm. they shouldn't have you know what i mean and like i've always been a big proponent of that just kind of like 
doing away with labels because we're all kind of like we're the same mm-hmm. we're all alike like you like you did mention you know what i mean and i feel like sometimes that in and of itself could definitely put up barriers and roadblocks into into people you know what i mean like it definitely. boxes them sometimes yeah on that note zane i mean if there's anything else that you want to kind of no, close out the episode with social media and all that oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Social Pippin. media let's do it my instagram is underscore P-A-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-U-R-A. Spell it one more time, man. Uh, underscore. Underscore. Tough one. P-A-N as a Nancy. T-H-E-O-N as a Nancy. A-U-R-A. Pantheon Aura. What does that mean, by the way? Pantheon is a coliseum that people of different religious religions bring their deities so they Ooh. can coexist. So Ooh. that's what I'm saying. Like I oh have my a God. space where oh you can coexist and you can believe whatever you want. Um, and then www.transalike.com. Um, you can look me up Zane Silva on Facebook. Um, if you need any resources, if you need a binder, if you need help, if you need anything, uh, if I don't have it, I can find the person that has it. So basically, Zane is the plug. The so. plug, <laughs> exactly. That's what I need to put. I'm Zane the is the plug. Zane is the plug. <laughs> I need that to be my website. Yo, go yeah. on social media, like his shit, comment, yeah, bother right. him. Please be there in Philly. Support the man. Yeah, yeah. Zane. That's gonna be nice. Yeah. Thanks, man. Pleasure I having you. Very Both good having you, man. They are amazing. Remember to follow us as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we forget about ourselves. We do forget about ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Streaming underscore consciousness for all updates on the podcast, the YouTube channel and all that. Uh, yeah, man. Subscribe to the YouTube mm-hmm. and uh, do all that good stuff. Whatever. You're saying I definitely don't <laughs> want to put you on the spot before we end, but I hope you have a YouTube channel popping off soon. Uh, I actually do have a YouTube Bang! channel. Bang! There we go! There we go! Yeah, what, is like. what is it? What is it? like on YouTube. Yeah. There you go. Check it out. Follow us, subscribe, <laughs> like, like, we'll put, we'll put all this stuff in the description good, as good. well. But yeah, man. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Uh, I think we had like a great conversation here. We're going to finish the bottle of wine. I'm going to turn the camera off. Yeah. Yeah. Peace, guys. Later. <laughs>